0: Over the course of the last two and a half years, by the grace of God, this church has journeyed through an incredible time of testing. After months of struggle, she stood firm on her doctrine and upheld Christ's authority over his church in the face of state encroachment during the pandemic. Her actions set her apart from those who were complicit in one of the greatest injustices hoisted upon an unsuspecting public. Thankfully, pardons are actually being promised, charges are being dropped, and pastors are being acquitted even today. Even more, the narrative of safe and effective is being uneasily walked back as data flows in from all over the world. Laws are being changed to protect people's bodily autonomy over state intrusion, and the truth is actually having its day in court. Now, if this keeps up, I might have to seriously reconsider my pre-millennial view. But in all seriousness, for upholding Christ's authority over his church, the term theonomy is now being thrown around. Now, you may not be familiar with the term. It's only a term I actually became familiar with recently. In some people's estimation, it is the next big bad wolf that threatens to blow down the evangelical church. And so today, we are hoping to shed some light on the topic and dispel some of the misconceptions and rumors that have been floating around. Joining me is our dear physician, fellow elder, pastor and fellow at the Ezra Institute, Dr. Ted Fensky. Yep, so is this episode 2? This is
1: episode
0: 2. I don't even know where we are.
1: Season
0: 2 episode 2. All right. Well, welcome to the Average Saint podcast where we help the average saint live out their extraordinary calling in Jesus Christ. This is Season 2, Episode 2, November the 3rd. And today, we're talking about God's law and life of the average saint. Joining me is our dear physician, Dr. Ted Fenske. Dr. Ted,
1: good to have you here, brother. Good morning. Wonderful to be here with you, Pastor Jason.
0: All right. So, our first question is pretty basic. What do we mean by theonomy?
1: Yeah, I think that's it's good to say. What do we mean? You know, theonomy has uh, had many different meanings. It's a bit of an umbrella term, and in its simplest uh, form, in terms of the etymology of the, of the word theonomy, theo, nomas, God, law, God's law, right. and what we would understand that would be, I, I would I would imagine, would be recognizing the, the current importance of God's law, the the relevance of God's law today. And the binding nature of god's law that although it doesn't save it it's it's still to be taken seriously the, mm-hmm. the whole law the old and, and new testament together uh, rather than thinking that that's just uh, the, god's law is just something for a certain time period a certain people right. in ancient palestine and of course the term theonomy has had more of a, a negative connotation than than that i think most Most Christians would recognize the the moral aspects of the law. The Deca law would be important and foundational, but rather how that's applied today and would the Old Testament application be applied today and so the, the concern is that the, the theonomy in some people's definitions if one were to look that up would be a, a christian government mm-hmm. and there, that's when people begin to bristle and think oh my gosh you know that'd be nasty to have right, you know right, the right. levers of power in, in the hands of clergy right. a, and controlling society now not allowing us to do you know as we, as we think is best or as we wish so that there's that kind of negative connotation there there as well but I think, uh, from from our standpoint, one can think of it as a, a reformed, high scriptural view of the the importance of God's law and recognizing it as a foundational uh, element to uh, to law in general, and and remains relevant.
0: Very good, very good. Yeah, I think when people think theonomy, they they might think theocracy right away. They'll take that jump and think, oh, well, here is somebody who wants you know to essentially recreate a modern state of Israel within. Uh, Secular context or a Canadian context mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah, or even a ecclesiocracy where the the church institution is the Governing body, and this is not not at all what what we would understand would be the important. What we would say is, no, it's not the church institution, but rather the individual believers, the followers of Jesus, who in their particular sphere are, are salt and light, and are bold to witness God's love and, and the reality of of the, the law that that it's a binding reality for for everybody. Right, uh, you and I will stand and have to give an account and and it will be God's law that will tells us of our sin and and again we we have the we were washed in, in Christ's blood we are saved by grace amen mm. but the, the law stands so I'm not going to be judged by the Canadian constitution
0: on judgment day <laughs> just want to be clear on that fair enough okay no this is very good you mentioned that the reform perspective of christian ethics that holds the totality of God's law in both the Old and and the New Testament remains binding by the standard of God's law and to which everyone is held accountable. But I think what people, at least in my conversations, are concerned with is, do we understand theonomy as, okay, all of the Mosaic law to be binding? Obviously, if that's the case, well, then that creates a lot of confusion. Mm -hmm. And there's books that have been written on this, and classic reform perspective is, you know, there's three aspects to God's law. There's the civil, the ceremonial, and the moral. Mm-hmm. And while the, the New Testament doesn't use those terms or those categories, I mean, it speaks of God's law in its totality, as you already said. Maybe we need to tease that out a little bit. So what are we saying when we say, okay, God's law is the binding standard?
1: Yes. Oh, yeah. No, perfect. I, Am I, I asking uh, the right question? Oh, the, I, th- <laughs> I, think I think so. The uh, okay. uh the beginning point, though, would be to say, "Well, where, where are we starting, and how how we address that, gotcha. that kind of thing? We start with how I feel, what what the the laws of the land are, what the Sharia law is. You know, where, where my where's my beginning point." And my beginning point is Scripture, so I have to recognize that's where I'm beginning. Gotcha. Despite the current sensibilities of our time or what have you. And if we start with the Bible itself and and the whole Bible, not, not just Leviticus, but listening to Jesus speaking, for example, on the Sermon on the Mount and how he is unpacking. The, the law really and mm. he's correcting not Moses but rather the those who, who fell into legalism, the letter of the law. Mm. And he was he was correcting and trying to bring light into the heart of the law, mm. the the moral equity if you like, right uh, of the law. Right. What's the law already getting at here when it says don't commit adultery? Is it just a matter of, you know, an actual kind of uh, body position and is that what we're talking right. about here? Or we're we actually talking about a heart issue. Right. You know, in terms of where my eyes go and, right. and the the lustful thoughts I might have. And that's why he, he just raises the bar so high, because yeah, no adultery, you know, when you think of it in no, those terms, is uh awfully high bar. And the, the answer there is no, don't do it, you know? And so it's uh it's a matter of understanding that there is the moral element, the heart of the law yes. is what's binding. And and the actual you know penalty for adultery, let's say, in the day of Jesus' day Uh, being stoned to Mm. death, you know, at the city gate. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not the binding element. Right. Rather, it's the heart of the law. It's the binding element. And don't do that is is the idea here. Yes. Because it it will lead to death. Yeah. How it gets played out in our society today. You know, I think one one thing one can draw from the civic laws, which is the actual application of Mm -hmm. the Decalogue, the application of moral law. That's how it's played out. We call that case law today. Mm. So... You know, the, these are examples of a scenario, and the judge uses the the foundation, the decalogue, and then says, "Well, in this scenario, this is how this will look in our time and place." That's right. Uh, today, that that would that would look different from then. We're in a different context and in in, in those regards. But the uh, the heart of it would remain. and And it's interesting to see that the uh, sins that kind of attracted the death penalty of mm-hmm. the day, mm-hmm. and the in the end, in Revelation twenty two. Those are the same sins that that ex- exclude people from God's kingdom. And mm-hmm. so, you know, a, a certain death, if you like. Yes, a, an absolutely. Eternal death. In, in other words, it's important. Like, absolutely. So if, if it's a, a serious penalty that's been given to a certain sin, like adultery or homosexuality or whatever. Right. Well, we have to take that seriously. That's right. a serious problem. That's not right. to be celebrated, encouraged, etc.
0: Very good. I love how you said that, the heart of the law. And I think Paul would agree with you because… In 1 Corinthians 9, we haven't got there in our series yet, but Paul actually appeals to the law of Moses when he's talking about compensation for ministers, right? He says uh, here in uh, chapter 9, verse 6, uh, "'Do only Barnabas and I have no right to refrain from working? Who serves as a soldier at its own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat its fruit? Or who shepherds a flock and does not drink the milk from the flock? Am I saying this from a human perspective?' So he immediately qualifies what he's saying, and then he goes to the ultimate ethic. Doesn't the law also say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses, do not muzzle an ox while it treads out grain. Is God really concerned about oxen? Isn't he really saying it for our sake? Yes, this is written for our sake, because he who plows ought to plow in hope, and he who threshes should thresh in hope of sharing the crop. And so And he's not the only one who does it. We have other Mm -hmm. New Testament authors who do it as well, who actually appeal, uh, not to the Decalogue, but to other, seems random laws, Mm -hmm. to draw a heart principle from it, a a binding principle, which Paul actually applies to the New Testament church. So I think that's excellent. One thing I think you you said that I just want to highlight is that when we look at God's law, you mentioned that every believer out there is, is essentially, you know, someone who agrees that god's law is good. Okay, but in what sense and how do we apply it? And most Christians will obviously say well of course, you know, the 10 commandments or at least nine uh, because those are reiterated in the new testament, uh, those are are binding on us today, obviously not as a means of justification. Mm-hmm but as a, as a standard for righteousness. How do we actually define what sin is? We just had a conversation before we started this podcast about, well, how do you define what sin is? Yeah. Yeah. Is that a cultural standard that you're defining what sin is, or is it actually a transcendent eternal standard that issues forth from God's own holy character mm-hmm. enshrined in his law? Yeah. And, and so I think that's important for us to, to note. And one more thing for our listeners as well, when we look at God's law, one of the biggest errors today, and you mentioned it in the stoning of adulterers, right? We look back on God's law and we think, oh man, don't commit adultery, stoning, adulterers, how brutal is that? And we think regression. But there's an implication to that that I think we need to wrestle with. Are we actually going to say that, well, we're more righteous, more holy, or more just than God Himself for writing that law. Is that law how somehow some standard to true justice that we've we've attained to today? And this is where I think a lot of Christians may be confused about that and realize, oh well, well you know, we should be thankful we're in a New Testament, New Covenant relationship with God. That there, no, there is no more stoning of adulterers, but the prohibition or the sanction against adultery is, as you say, the heart of the matter is still serious. It'll still kill you. And if you're if you're going to be dying in that sin and facing the holy God, then it will result in death. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to make sure that our yeah, listeners I think it's, were there.
1: it's it's wonderful to understand that you know the, the law reveals God's nature to there us. You go. You know? So he's very upset. Mm-hmm. Indignation comes to mind in terms of you know, the adultery and even to to uh, the, the lustful eyes, You know, the level. This is something that we have to take seriously. And uh, people say, well. Isn't it enough, enough just to uh, to love each other? You know, uh, Jesus asks us to love, and love is a command. But but love has a content, and, and right. love is not me feeling good thoughts about you. Um, right. Love could actually be me uh, sitting you down and rebuking you, or right. you you rebu- rebuking me. That could be actual real love in terms of what's needed, mm-hmm. depending on what the scenario is. So love has a, a content, and if we're wondering, you know, how does love get worked out in this particular scenario or that particular scenario? The, the law can be helpful to give us an idea of, of emphasis of the heart. So I think it, it has utility in, in that regard as well.
0: Amen. Amen. That's fantastic. I know we gave our definition here of theonomy. That and I think it's helpful for us to repeat it. It's, we're not talking about theocracy. We are talking about a reform perspective in Christian ethics that holds the totality of the law of God when properly interpreted remains the binding standard by which everyone is held accountable. Is that fair? Mm -hmm. And then I think I've heard this, though, because there are other branches of this, and I want to just bring it up. Yeah, this is a description from a writer off TGC. It says, uh, Theonomy seeks to apply the civil law of the Mosaic Covenant to contemporary civil government. That's a direct quote. But is that what we're saying here? Is that what we're we're trying to do? Are we trying to take mosaic law and apply it to civil law?
1: Is what maybe some might, might want to do, and and you can almost see how people I get you know concerned enough when they look around at our particular society now and where the direction mm-hmm. is going thinking, boy, we really have to put some brakes on here. Things are getting out of control. <laughs> you you know, gotta, let's go back to something mm-hmm. biblical and, and let's apply ancient Palestine laws to, to today. Right. But that's certainly not uh, what we're about, nor was it really what, what Jesus was about. And, and uh, again, right. if I bring, go back to that Sermon on the Mount, he very effectively uh, said that uh, it's the heart uh, issue. It's it's our term to use this general equity, uh, heart heart equity uh, principle. But yes. it was the heart certainly that, that Jesus was pointing to, and uh, and so I think that's the application element, and, and it's still going to require discernment. Yes. but but all law does require discernment when, when it's applied. We we right. can't do this in, in in a letter of the law legalistic sense. And you know the, I find this this whole conversation ironic that when I mean, the church is getting pushed back on theonomy because we're in a time of unprecedented legalism yes. in, through the COVID era. Yeah. And as a physician in the hospital, I've had to taste this bitterly on a daily basis, still today. Mm. And it, it's it's interesting that people are bristling to the idea of God's law. You know, <laughs> the idea with every uh, other
0: law is okay. How how, how terrible that would
1: law. be. You know, we're we're in COVID law right now, still. In terms of all of the the mandates there uh, from vaccine to social distancing and masking etc and it's just so cumbersome to practice medicine in this era and even in, in scenarios where we know clearly people don't have the infection we know this and yet we have to go through the the letter of the law here and, and it's just a part of our culture now we've been doing it for years right and if you know if your mask slips down over your nose you get a fi- finger waved at you, you know. Right. And this is a, a, a certain sin, you know, in, right. in our contemporary time. Right. And so we are living in a remarkable legalism. Yeah. And it's where this is man's law, yes. you know, that we're under. And it's tough law to be under. Yeah, no kidding. And it is oppressive. It's not the heart. You know, we don't have the heart issue anymore. You Correct. Know? It's just the letter. It is the
0: letter about. of the law, which kills. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that. I came across an interview uh, the other day. I'm sure you're aware of this, but how euthanasia now is uh, – is uh, at least some are uh, trying to get it applied to minors nice. uh, here in Canada, yeah. uh, especially out east. Uh, there was an interview with uh, uh, Professor Camosy. I think I got his name right. In his interview, he was on Tucker Carlson tonight. And so Carlson's asking the question, like, what is going on here? And he actually said something really interesting. He said, this is what happens when autonomy goes nuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought, wow, he spoke. It's the logical
1: Lord. progression, you know? It is the logical. And, and Van Til said beautifully, Cornelius Van Til, we have to consider that it's either theonomy, we look right. at God's law as a as a mirror, if you like, as to get an idea of our of our sin and our standard, the ultimate standard, right? Or it's it's man's law, and we're we're tasting man's law, and and that's nasty, you know. Yeah. And, and so, of course, we're not saying the application of the case law of the day mm-hmm. in ancient Palestine. But we'll have our own case law today, but the heart is the binding principle that will carry over. And we have grace, of course. And the the laws uh, of the Bible is not the gospel, but the general principle uh, there, the ethical emphasis, if you like, the imperative Mm -hmm. that's being represented by the law is represented in the gospel. The law upholds the gospel. That's right. So, so the two work beautifully together. They're uh, a very common uh, view that we have this, this dichotomy where we separate them out. Well, we have the gospel here, we're saved by grace, and the law is a separate thing. But really, they, they are in, in, intimately connected. Amen. And we have the gospel resting on the law. Jesus said himself very clearly he hadn't come to abolish the law, Correct. not a jot or tittle. And, until all is fulfilled, and I think that's it's important for us to recognize that, uh, no, we're not talking about the application mm-hmm. of civic law of, of an ancient day, mm-hmm. but rather the heart. And that because of we're sinners, and we know we're sinners because the law tells Amen. us so. And so this is a, a critical uh, element of, of, of our faith, and Amen. we can't divorce ourselves from it.
0: Amen. Well said. Well said. Well, that leads us to the next question then. I mean, so where does the concept come from? Because theonomy is nothing new. I mean, you know, people have started coming into contact with this word now and looking at the various definitions
1: of it. We just gave one, but where does it come from? What's the root of it? You know, as you said, it the, the law is you know embedded throughout scripture, and so it's uh all the way through the narrative and, and it's uh, well detailed. Moses providing the law of course and, mm-hmm. in in Proverbs, Solomon. Talking to his son about the law, the, the psalms celebrating the law, Psalm one, for example, or Psalm one nineteen, yeah, you now the longest psalm that Ezra wrote. I delight in your law. Lord. Yeah, so the law is certainly well profiled and, and integrated all the way through, and of course Jesus on the Sermon of the Mount, we as we already discussed, and so there's that biblical uh, uh, foundation, foundation of right, it. Right. The early church, of course, wasn't uh, negative about the law. Was, there was an emphasis, and Augustine uh, detailed it to a certain extent, and it was fleshed out, I think, in, uh, in a systematic way in the Reformation. Calvin, in particular, in his Institutes, mm-hmm. and and really, you know, laid it out for the the rulers of the day that they would be accountable to to God's law, and made that very clear in his writings. And we saw it, you know, in the the whole Puritan era in terms of application. Uh, mm-hmm. We may not agree with those things with Oliver Cromwell and Jonathan Edwards, but still we can sure. see that the law was was held uh, highly, uh, taken seriously by those people. and And we look at the one of the fathers of uh, modern evangelicalism, Wilber Wilberforce, mm. and the law was critical for him in terms of uh, his social reforms of the day, which were so important, including the abolition of slavery, mm-hmm. which we celebrate, you know, as as, as part of our Christian heritage. Mm-hmm. We need to celebrate that. It's, it's a, his story is an important one. And it's critical to realize that it's God's law mm-hmm. that, that uh, allowed us to, to recognize the the immense injustice of the slave trade right. of, of his day and the need for that to be abolished. Right. And we say amen, amen to that. That's right. And it wasn't just by having a, a fluffy love, it was, came, came <laughs> out of the theonomy view, if you will. He may not have used that term. Sure. The term itself, I think, became used, in, Cornelius Van Til used it, as I mentioned, in the 50s. His student, uh, Greg Bonson, popularized it. And, and it was really became more more popular in the 70s as a pushback to the anti law, the mm. anti Namianism right. that was going on and still going on today. And, and maybe in part why we're having this conversation today is that mm-hmm. that is in the air still. Uh, people are anti law yes. and not recognizing that there, there's no neutral territory that we have. There's going to be a law, yes, and it's just a matter of you know which law you know yes. as, as Ventil said, and so people get into this thinking that this is pagan thought too that what we have you know we can just be reasonable we we can just have this neutral reasonableness about us and be good you know <laughs> and untrue, you know so it, it's either God's law, which is good and, and we're maybe in the maybe enjoying the a little bit of the glow of that still right, or it's man's law, which is lawlessness, right you know? there's no neutral territory for us to be able to enjoy,
0: yeah. Well, as a friend of mine likes to say, "How's that working out for you?" You know the idea that uh, everyone wants—well, not not God's law. They they do want a law, but they are allergic to God's law. And I appreciate you—you you mentioned Wilberforce, and you take a look at what Paul says here in terms of you know the purpose of the law. He says in First Timothy chapter one verse nine, he says, "We know that the law is not meant for a righteous person." Obviously, those who have become righteous by Christ, through faith in him, by his grace, but for the lawless and the rebellious, for the ungodly and sinful, for the unholy and irreverent, for those who kill their fathers and mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral and homosexuals, for slave traders, slave traders, there it is, there it is, liars, perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to the sound teaching that conforms to the gospel— concerning the glory of the blessed God, which was entrusted to me. So Paul says it right there. I mean, you know, the law is still in effect. It is still this tool to Mm -hmm. be laid down for Mm -hmm. those who are outside of saving faith in Jesus. And it has, obviously, an effect on not just the conscience and can be used in evangelism, but I mean, it also limits evil. Mm-hmm. when people actually understand That's right. this is evil you will go no further mm-hmm. we talk about abortion today and i mean you know how do we know abortion is evil well we can make the argument from the image bearing qualities of humanity that okay we've got an image bearer of god here who is is reflecting god's image you cannot murder this little person mm-hmm. where do we get that from well we, we can get that from creation for sure but we we get it from also god's law too mm-hmm. I mean, these things are in harmony. Uh, they're not, you know, somehow it's like, oh, don't talk about the law. Just just talk about, you know, the creation aspect of it. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we, we have the law for a reason.
1: Yeah. And even, uh, you know, some of the case law of the day shows us, you know, what happens when innocent life was taken. In right. Those days. That was a very serious, very serious crime. And so we understand that, yes, this preborn baby is innocent life. Maybe it's the best example of innocent life. Right. And, and so... The case law of in ancient Palestine, you don't mess with that. Right. Today we should not be messing with that either. Correct. Now the penalty for messing with it would be different. Right. You know, but but we, we still must hold to the fact that no, this this is the, you know, the sanctity of this of this pre born life and we must care for it, you know. Very good. And unfortunately the womb has become one of the most dangerous places in Canada for mm-hmm. a life, for a human life. And so the, you know that makes, raises you know, why why bother with, with God's law in a secular world? Why don't we just go with the secular world and, and, and leave well enough alone and just keep the God's law within the church itself, you know, and, right. and this is, I, see, I hear this often, right. this, this is again a, a false divide between, well, church is off in one area and, and the rest of reality is in, in another, and certainly the church is an institution, one can see as a separate sphere, Sure. you know, from other spheres of, of operation like medicine, the state. Education, the family—these are different spheres of operation. But as uh, us, as as believers, we are to be salt and light in the everywhere, and God's sovereignty is over all for for our, our flourishing. God's law is very helpful for us to to flourish versus you know man's law. I mean, I've been struggling with this for years. I mean, it's come to light in COVID time for for many Christians there are others uh, trying to rationalize why their church closed. Mm. And they're saying they're using theonomy as a bad term to to uh, be able to say, well, we're not theonomists, that's why we we closed and they stayed open and, yeah. and they're they're just you know going by the letter of the law they're trying to uh, apply uh, ancient Palestinian law, and that's why they they did that, and and uh, there's a rationalization, there's a justification for right. a weak response to COVID time, and I also see uh, people who who were affected by that those closures and said, well, I mean, what about God's law? I mean, can the state really do that? Can the state really close a church down and put pastors in jail? Is that is that mm-hmm. just? And so theonomy kind of came out, you know, in, in people's minds there, but i've been struggling with this for years and years in medicine mm. with areas for example like abortion where we're mandated you know and, and we must refer you know this is a, an issue where people have lost their 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 jobs over and in more recent time then with you know, euthanasia medical assistance and dying and this is a mandate as well so mm. people worry about the vaccine mandate well i've been struggling with, with euthanasia mandates right. for a long time for decades and this is this is a real big problem well uh 2016 you, right. 2016 uh, really kind of began to to, to bite into us mm. and people have lost their jobs over that When they say, no i'm not going to do that, you know, I'm wow. not going to be complicit with that in referring someone on for that. And this is an example of, of man's law, mm-hmm. you know, where, where we don't have, we don't recognize the importance and the, the applicability, the relevance of God's law. And so we have the whole LGBT uh, area that's just, you know, exploded in front of us within the school programs mm-hmm. that we're seeing with children being indoctrinated. Right. And, and right now, this week, actually, uh, all the school boards in Ontario are being mandated to send out a, a, a student census for children elementary age and older elementary age and older and when my ch- my boys were in elementary age they were playing lego uh, they weren't talking about gender yeah. fluidity the, these children are being asked these questions yeah. if they're if they're a boy or a girl or if they're gender fluid etc cetera, etc cetera, questioning you know and, and and from grade seven and all up they're being asked they have to answer you know are you straight are you gay? You're lesbian, bisexual, questioning. These these are the questions being asked, and, and the children they, they'll they'll learn uh, responses. They're being indoctrinated about yeah. these things, and then maybe certain things are popular to be questioning these. Yeah. Days. I don't know, you know. Yeah. But it's it's as your as your quote was, it's just man's law gone mad. So mm-hmm. why bother with God's law? Would be well, look what happens when, when we have lawlessness, and we can't just sit back as a church. And say, well, we'll just take care of this fear, right? And and but as believers, we're in the whole, you know, we're we're in all those other spheres, right. and we we need to, you know, shine and and uh, be a city lamp. on a hill,
0: salt and, and light. That,
1: that's right. Amen. And I was just going to mention too, in terms of the LGBT issue, uh, there's been a a federal action plan that's just been announced, a uh, five year action plan. Uh, I think it's 100 million dollars has been given to this to advance the the rights of the 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 term is the uh, 2s LGBTQI plus. This mm-hmm. is this is the string of letters now, which is a bit to remember, uh, and and it's it's a whole government approach that everyone in Canada can be truly who they want to be and love who they want to love. Mm. This is this is the quote from from Justin Trudeau as he announced this, mm. and again, this is going to have ramifications for the church and, and you know you can't hide anymore because they're coming after you basically sure man's law wants to kill god's law sure and this is this is what we're what we're seeing right and so we do need to be prepared we have to be equipped and uh, not apply Palestinian ancient law of course not mm-hmm. but to understand you know that no this is wrong right what's happening here and to be able to speak out to that discern
0: good yeah. from evil amen no well that's helpful
1: so the concept obviously
0: has been around as long as the bible's been around but in terms of this ethic of the law of God in a, a response to antinomianism, I mean, that goes decades back. And you mentioned a few names there, Schaefer, Van Til, a few of the other guys, you looked them up. Oh, you also mentioned Edwards as well, right? Yeah, Jonathan Edwards, And then Cromwell, yeah. yeah. And then finally Wilberforce here. Now, we know that Christians aren't under the law any longer. We're not relying on it for our right standing before God. That's clearly now in Christ. The gospel declares that Christ has freed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. And we live by his grace now through faith. And so, I guess the next question is, well, why should we even bother with God's law as we live in a secular society? Now, I know you've given a few great examples Mm -hmm. there already, but just to cover this question, I mean, really, why bother? You mentioned a few things already. Obviously, we're going to be ruled by some kind of law. We have man's law that's ruling right now, and uh, the fruits of that are death of uh, our aged and infirm and of children in the womb. So that's what Mm -hmm. uh, autonomy gone mad gets
1: us. But why should we bother with God's law in a secular society? Yeah, as, as I, I mentioned already is that you know it is it is the way of flourishing mm-hmm. and, and this is not not again the application of, a, of an ancient civic law, but rather the moral uh, elements of the law. Right. This, this is God's nature shining through for us, and this is how He wants us to flourish. He mm-hmm. wants abundant life for us. and and uh, right now, as we're living and breathing and, and raising families and working and this uh, is best done. Following these principles, these heart principles mm. of not cheating on your wife, you know, right. and, and you you try and do that to go down that path. See, see, fellows who have done that, and and it's not flourishing. Leads to it, death, this is, this, even if they you know get away with it on a certain level. I mean, it it is it is a horrible, horrible damage to everybody, and 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 the the uh, ripple effect is immense. Mm. You know, and so so we we have to understand that this is this is actually. A good thing, you know. Mm-hmm. the the uh, the The moral elements of the law are are good, holy, righteous, as Romans seven mm-hmm. uh, says. And 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 this is something that, as Christians, we 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 want to please God. We want to uh, flourish in in our families and and, and enjoy this abundant life. And I'm not talking about prosperity gospel here. I'm talking sure. about being able to just you know live out our our faith well. And and we can do that best if we're uh, adhering to uh, the the moral elements of of, of the law. And, and, and we, just what happens when we don't, because again, there's not a, there's not a neutral place here that we can retreat to mm-hmm. where, okay, we're at least safe on this little neutral island. We can do <laughs> as we wish. No, the, again, even on that neutral island, uh, you know, in the, in, in the Bahamas, wherever you are, it's still, you're still going to have man's law or God's law to, to have to wrestle with. And that's so, right. so that's, that's important for us to uh, recognize that, that there's no neutral territory. That's a myth. And, uh, that's right. and that we we can benefit from understanding our sinful nature. Use it as like a rod, measuring rod for our own sanctification. Right. You know, like, how am I doing here? Yeah, not well. <laughs> you know, yeah. as I look in the mirror, you know, yeah. and, and so I wash myself in the, in the grace of Lord Jesus, but I, yeah. I use the mirror as a uh, understanding of of my my sinful nature, my condition. That's right. That's right. You know, with that, I, I think that's important for us to
0: note as well as 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 Christians we're not looking at God's law as a form of justification. And our growth in sanctification obviously is by uh, a glad-hearted obedience to God's revealed will. This is something that the new birth creates, Mm -hmm. right? We actually have, this is what John tells us in 1 John. I mean, one of the major factors is a uh, obedience to God's commands. We keep Christ's commands, and so again just as you said several times already you know the law is a uh, a mirror it it's not the the stuff that washes you it reveals it reflects but i think going back to the other statement that you said about there is no neutral ground and how why do we even bother with god's law that live in a secular society and i've had conversations with some believers as well it's like well my point is you already do exercise God's law in secular society. you're doing that Christian businessmen. they operate their principles of business uh, according to God's revealed will. These guys aren't trying to steal from their clients. they have balanced scales. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, in apparently in the construction industry, is not very often that you come by that. That's what's been reported to me. I don't work in the construction industry, and that doesn't mean uh, to diminish anybody who does. But this is just the reality, and so people are are ordering their lives according to God's revealed will in their home. And so, as you said, there there is there's always a push and pull. There's always a well, who who who's in authority here? Anyway, okay. Well, we know every believer out there uh, should understand that God's law is good, but they get very concerned when talking about, okay, well, then how how does it relate to life in the public sphere? But as a friend of mine said the other day, I thought it was actually funny. Um, many will be totally fine with living under Marxist concepts of justice to inform our laws, but not God's standards for morality <laughs> to inform our laws. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I mm-hmm. thought, Wow. I'll take God's laws, please. That's right. Over the Marxist there, as, as
1: I've mentioned already, there's this misconception that we have this autonomous reason that we can be right. reasonable and we can have laws that come out of a, a natural law right. of just being good guys, good reasonable people. And and this is a this is a complete myth. Right. And we the foundation of good, as Jesus said, you know, good God is good. You know that that's where that comes from. And Amen. So, so it, you know, there, there may be the grace that we we've been given, commonly, you know, uh, that, that's poured out for for humankind uh, as we're created in His image. But it, 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 there is not an autonomous, reasonable, right. or, or, or of a natural law that floats in the in the universe that we can apply ourselves to. That's right. That's
0: right. Well, it eventually it's, it's going to lead to what we have today: euthanizing youth and elderly. Yes, the uh, disabled, and yeah. This yeah. is how it goes. I and mean, we see this all the way through history. I mean, we see this in Nazi Germany. Okay, now we've talked about some of the concerns over theonomy already, that it's a divisive term. We've talked about the legalism of the day. But are there any other concerns, reasons for concerns over theonomy that you think we might need to address here? Again, I've I mentioned this already. People think it's uh, this idea of taking the root, uh, levers of power by clergy. You mentioned uh, theocracy which we're not talking about here, and you've already said it, but I want to repeat it again. It's important to clarify that what we're not saying is that the law and every specific detail of the Mosaic Covenant be applied to civil government. That's not at all. Uh, we're, we're talking about the, the the heart of the issue, because in Christ, in the New Covenant, I mean, there's a, there's a radical transformation of the law. Christ fulfills it, and now it's no longer written on stones, written on hearts. We're not living by the letter, we're living by the Spirit. And so to apply the specific civil laws to a a particular people, of a particular people at a particular time, just can't be applied uh, to all people. Uh, That covenant is actually ended. So any other
1: reasons for concern over
0: theonomy that you can think of that we can
1: highlight? I I suppose, you know, one one would be just the term itself and and how it can be confusing Mm -hmm. and can mischaracterize. And so maybe... My my point today wouldn't be necessary to try to to rally around a term of Mm. theonomy and and think, well, you know, we have to just clarify it. and, And yes, we all are theonomists and we can have that as a badge on our lapel. This this is going to probably create more confusion, more more strife, and more divisiveness. Right. But I, I would say that we we do need to take seriously uh, God's law, and so I'm not right. trying to necessarily defend the term theonomy although I, we have done that to a certain extent. But because uh, it, it is going to remain a divisive one, and people will, will remain confused about it, and they will they'll really still use it as a, a mudsling. Mm-hmm. And so I think I, I would I would say that we we should focus our attention more on just the term of God's law. And, and the goodness of, of understanding the moral elements of that, uh, you know, th- rather than the, the term theonomy per se. Very good. Um, I think you're right. I, I, I think well, we talked about this before as well. You know,
0: uh, labels can be used pejoratively, right? So you're mm. a Calvinist. <gasps> yes, that's right. You heartless, cold person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, well, actually, no. I'm I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. There are things that I do agree that Calvin had articulated. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I don't trust in Calvin. I don't follow Calvin. I'm not in the Calvin camp. Mm -hmm. I'm sure he was a good guy. Maybe he wasn't. I don't know. We'll find out. Yeah, that's right. That's right. (laughs) So two more things here. How then should the average saint view God's law today? I mean, we've talked about it, sort of hovered around it, but specifically...
1: Well, you know, uh, as as Romans seven twelve, you know, holy, righteous, and good. That'd Amen. Be a, that'd be a, a, a take home. Amen. And, and I think rather than thinking it as something that's uh, that's something to be avoided or mm-hmm. or that we can do better now, we know better now. You know, this chronological snobbery of well, today we you know we would do it. This you know, this is this is there. and certainly the application would would look, would look differently. But God's right. law remains uh, as a foundational starting point for all law. Right. And I think you know coming uh, out of this and recognizing that. That although we may be feeling that we're all coming out of the COVID era, or even though I, I'm not in the hospital, we have to recognize there's a limited jurisdiction then for, uh, for man's law. And, mm-hmm. and I think Abraham Kuyper was brilliant in laying this sphere of sovereignty out for us to right. have a visual picture, if you like, of the sovereignty of God overarching everything. And then within that, we have these diff- different spheres of that we mentioned already, the states and the education, yeah. medicine, family, the church. Right. And how they can operate. And when they're operating within God's uh, delegation, because His all laws and delegated, all, all legitimate law comes from God and is delegated by God for Amen. us to have, and including the, the, the state officials. And, and yes, we are to give honor to that office. Amen. The, the offices that, that they occupy, that's very, very important. Not necessarily, though person occupying that office right? Right. If, if they've breached god's law if they go against god's law uh if they're countering what right. god's law says well you know at that point in time they, they've usurped their their authority you know that's not a legitimate authority anymore right and so that's when we would say as a church no you know no actually yes. and, and no because this is our this is the church's jurisdiction right. no this is the family's jurisdiction right. it's not it's not the state's jurisdiction to tell me who's. Around table, a table fellowship for me to have. That's right. Yes, that, that's because me is the leader of the family. That's my. That's my call. That's my jurisdiction. Yes. Now, if I was going outside of of God's. A law for me, right? And I, and I was abusing my family. Right. Well, then, yes, you come in well and, and 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 pull me out and, and cuff me on the ear. That that's not that's not appropriate. And I've I've usurped my power then, my right. my authority. And yeah. so I no longer have the right to have that authority in my family if that's what I'm doing. Right. And likewise, a medicine. You know, they have a certain jurisdiction. Right. Yes, and they operate within the the delegation that God has given them to to uh you know uh, help with our uh, physical flourishing wonderful and i'm part of that you know on a right. certain level but if they go beyond that and they start then coming to other jurisdictions where they they've not been uh, they're, then they're no longer legitimate authority right. and we can say no right. you know i'm not going to have a vaccine because this, you've moved past a line right. here and and we have uh, we can we can be bold mm. in saying no there's a limit here for for the jurisdiction of of, of healthcare mm. thank you for your recommendations but uh, this is what I choose to do with my body, and, and I think this is a, a terrible thing that we've allowed and kind of accepted mm-hmm. while the state knows best. Believe me, mm-hmm. the state does not know best, <laughs> and healthcare, as a healthcare representative, does not know best. Right. And so the God's law, this is best. Amen. And this is this is the foundation for what, what best is. Amen. I mean, we have to understand that there's now a limitation to, uh, to other, uh, other authorities. We, we honor the, the office of the authority. It's important to recognize that there's this, this distinction there. God wants to place this office for us. Mm-hmm. And this is for our flourishing. Right. Wonderful. To help limit uh, injustices and the like, like uh, of the state. Tremendous. Thank yes. you for that. You know, and when there's a the problem? You can call the police, and it's tremendous when things happen this, this way, as yes. God would intend. Yes. You know, for us to flourish. Mm-hmm. But when they've gone past those, uh, then we have to be able to say, well, no. And and I think this kind of has uh, been laid out nicely. Francis Schaeffer uh, laid it very clearly in his in his writing about the delegation of governmental authority, in particular, and and the and the limitations of that, and and that it's not a, an autonomous power that they're working under, but rather a delegated one. That's right.
0: That's very good. Excellent point. God has delegated authority to everyone, but he hasn't given all authority to everyone. We have our limits. Mm -hmm. Well said, that actually probably requires a whole other podcast, but that was a good summary. (laughs) So we're saying then God's law is the guide for righteousness for the saint, because it obviously exposes sin, leads people to Christ, it informs the basis for true justice. So if we want to know what true justice is, we've got to look at the true law. And the true standard of justice obviously isn't going to be found in the social conventions of men or progressive or regressive thought. It's found in the timeless word of Jesus, our Lord. I think it's also important for us to uh, emphasize that righteousness isn't defined by popular culture or somebody's own conception of Mm -hmm. what's right and wrong. It's what God deems right and wrong. And so even back to our last two and a half years of walking through this journey, we don't redefine love for God and love for neighbor by the standards of our day, which has taken place all over the place. The standards, again, is the timeless standard of uh, God's law, fully embodied, obviously, and fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So with that in mind, we've talked a lot about God's law, and I want to just summarize our talk today with, with five highlights, and feel free to talk to any one of these points here. But before we go on to that summary, there's one thing I do want to say, just to clarify, because we've been said, oh, uh, we talked about it at the beginning, you know, you, you, you sought to open the church up because you're theonomists, right? But I think this dovetails very well with what you said. You know, we actually sought to keep the church open because Christ deems his body essential. Mm-hmm. That was the issue. Yeah, yeah. The, the church is his bride whom he died for and mm-hmm. who he is returning for, and she's not to be locked up, broken up, masked up, or held up. Uh, by experts who disregard her legitimacy or value. No. So that was a primary gospel issue.
1: Yeah, that's right. That had
0: nothing to do with the Decalogue.
1: And we contrast that to man's law at the same time. Correct. At that very same time, man's law here in Edmonton said, no, the church is not essential. Right. Abortion's essential. Right. And so we we shut down our surgeries in heart medicine. Wow! We did not shut down abortions in, in oh, medicine, Oh, because oh, that oh. was deemed an essential service. In fact, there was an increase in abortions during COVID time, oh. mainly because of the uh, the oral uh, abortifacient that now is now available by telephone call for people. So oh. there's been this this whole abortion agenda is just ramped up as it has the euthanasia, etc. And and at the same time, when people are hurting. When people are lonely, they're fearful because uh, they're listening to CNN, you know, at night instead of <laughs> reading their Bible. Uh, the church is closed, right? Because that's not essential, yeah. you know. And I'll tell you, in the practice of medicine, no. the practice of medicine, the church was missed during that time. I'm talking about the church in general, not right. not, not our church in particular. Right? Uh, uh, it was missed, and 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 I was doing you know lots of support for people crying in my office when they were sending to me for high blood pressure whatever it was and the actual problems were so much deeper and, and more important than than I saying blood pressure is not important but it's a, <laughs> it's a it's a triviality when you compare it to the other things yeah know. yeah I hear you
0: well said all right well final points to consider here we wanted to clarify and I, I think we've at least tried that we may have raised more questions than provided answers, but that's okay. If any uh, any one of our listeners has questions, feel free to email us at questions at fellowshipedmondson.com and we'll do our best to answer. But final points here. So first point, we are not espousing applying the civil law of Israel in its specifics to the contemporary civil context. We're not trying to rebuild the Mosaic Covenant. Is that correct? Amen, yeah. All right. Second is we're not espousing either to shift the primary mission of the church away from worship, evangelism, and discipleship. While we're for cultural reform, uh, cultural reform is the byproduct of our work. Uh, or better mm. put, salvation leads to kingdom living.
1: Yeah, I would just add that you know that, that Christian discipleship was so central mm. to our mission, right? As as disciple making disciples entails uh, equipping people. To be able to engage in their sphere, right? So they can be the salt and light. So yes, we want to bring people to Jesus. Of course, this is a, a primary and essential element of, of of our task. We don't stop there, right? Because we're we're living in in, in a society that's that's out to get us and is anti Christian. And sure. so we have to equip people to be able to stand and to, Amen. to stand boldly.
0: Yes. Well, and if I can reverse that as well too, you know, we're we're actually out to get them. Into the kingdom, sure, sure. <laughs> so, so we want to be that salt and light in every sphere. Yes, living for all of Christ and all of life, right? And so we come to to know the living God through faith in Jesus, and then we come to have this new desire to serve the King of Kings, to follow His law in our homes, in our churches, in our businesses, and and in all of life. So absolutely, discipleship mm-hmm. will work that work itself out in any vocation, any mm-hmm. occupation. The other thing we want to emphasize is that we're not espousing the law as salvific. I know we've said that, but we've got to say it again because that would be a horrific denial of the gospel. We are under grace, and so we live and walk by the Spirit, but we do gladly obey God from the heart. Two more points to emphasize, and I think it's fair to say that we've already said this in other words, but to say it in these words I think will be helpful. That We're not disregarding the law of God as irrelevant because the New Testament doesn't. It is good when it is used lawfully, we already read from First Timothy, both in evangelism and in discerning good and evil, as you already mentioned. I mean, how do we actually discern what true justice is from what passes for justice in our contemporary society? And then finally, we need to understand that the standard that God is going to use to judge all people is living and dead is, is ultimately his word, his standard. It's not going to be the Canadian legal code or the human rights codes of other nations. He's going to judge the world through the one man that he's appointed, the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, who is the only one who kept the law of God perfectly. But I thank God that we can turn to Him for the forgiveness of our sins and eternal life. So I think we've cleared this up. I hope we've cleared this up. Maybe we haven't, but we'll see. That was the best shot we mm-hmm. can take. Mm-hmm. Any other final thoughts?
1: Yeah, well, I think you know as we as we've uh, said that the the uh, theonomy and a uh, reform emphasis if you like on on the importance of the law we we can't uh forget to emphasize grace and and the importance uh, the importance of that and the central element of that as we are salt and light to the world and we and we are reflecting God to the world we we can't come out first hard with the bible thumping and and, and point to all the all the sins that are being committed but rather with broken hearts for right. the broken people around us, and the, the sinful people of which we are too, and and, and to be able to to be able to say, well, how, how can I speak into that in, in a way that the person might hear and, and bring care and concern into their broken situation? So, Amen. uh there's there's a tremendous mission field uh, for us, and, and I think it's best if if the truth and the grace are held in a necessary tension, so that we can. Uh, know, you know, what, what's, what's, is on God's heart in terms of uh, right and wrong, but also uh, his concern for the, those in this, in this uh, broken society around us. And, and so we can best do that uh, with, with care and concern and compassion. I think this should be the the element that we're known by rather than, you know, that, that hard, hard line, uh, you know, uh, front, if you know right. what I'm trying to say. So, absolutely. So it's not one or the other, but both together, wedded, and in a, in a, in a winsome uh, way, as, as we as we move out into into the world and try to to be that salt and light. Amen. And there's the tension. Well, I'd like to end just
0: with a quote from Romans chapter three. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are subject to the law, so that every mouth may be shut and the whole world may become subject to God's judgment. For no one will be justified in his sight by the works of the law, because the knowledge of sin comes through the law. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed, tested by the law and the prophets. The righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, since there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God presented him as an atoning sacrifice in his blood, received through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. God presented him to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so that he would be righteous and declare righteous the one who has faith in Jesus. And so where is the boast? By any kind of law, one of works? No, by a law of faith. Hmm. And this is where we stand. Brother Ted, thank you so much for your time this morning. Well, thank um, you. It's been a joy hmm. to speak with you about these things. Amen. All right. Well, until next time, uh, if you got any questions, again, you can feel free to email us at questions at com. This is The Average Saint, signing off.